Welcome back, guys. We are so excited to start a new series with y'all. This new series is going to be about the subject, I am enough. During each episode, I will partner up with a new teacher to get some wiser insight. We will talk about how we are enough in Christ and how we can find new ways to push out the bad. I'm excited to start this series with you. Let's get into the first episode. Hey, guys. I'm here with my co-host, Sasha. We're here interviewing Miss Purcell today. Um, so how are you today, Miss Purcell? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, so we're kind of like, this is not really an interview. This is kind of just like a discussion we have, but we have a special guest, Miss Purcell, which we're very excited about. But basically what we're going to go over with these next few, um, like episodes or like, yeah, the next few episodes we have is basically a series called I Am Enough. Um, and so this is the first episode. We're kind of going to be talking about, um, kind of just digging a little more into like why we as people think we're not enough in this world um which is our first question so open floor to anyone but why do we think that we're not enough you want me to start sure talk go well i would say that that's just what we hear from a very young age even when we're kids right you're Mm -hmm. not tall enough you're not pretty enough you're not fast enough you're not strong enough you're not smart enough and if we're not careful, those lies win in that we start agreeing with it. We mm-hmm. start really living as if I'm not enough in this area or in this way. And we start to really, that becomes the way we're thinking about ourselves. Yeah. 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 I think um, I'm reading a book, which I will be quoting a lot during this podcast, but I'm reading a book called, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like. Is it Colleen Hoover? No, it's not Colleen. Definitely not Colin Hoover. Um, but I can't remember what it's called. But it's something about... It's a body image book about, like, how to, like... God can help you with your body image. I'm reading it with my Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it said... I just read a chapter about how it's saying, like, the enemy is the enemy. And, like, you can't really change that. But, like... But... And... So, like, Sasha could be, like, the nicest person ever. But she'll still, like, have these, like, enemy thoughts and saying like stuff she'll say to me that like I know is not her but it's the enemy saying it through her mm-hmm. if you know what I mean and so I feel like that's what we're told even if it's like it seems like harmless things like you're not tall enough to ride this ride or you're not mm-hmm. or like I don't want to be your girlfriend because you're not pretty enough which is that hurts but also like you're not fast enough like I'm faster than you haha like that doesn't seem like something that would be like will like hurt you a lot where you'll grow up and be like I've never been fast enough Um, but it's those kind of those tiny things that we've known since like day one where it's kind of just like, oh, I am not enough. Like I'm not enough to be someone's girlfriend or I'm not enough to be Usain Bolt, (laughs) but, and I think, yeah. And that's like kind of the enemy working in with other people in your life telling you those things, but it's also the enemy working in you kind of listening to those people in your life, if you know what I mean. Well, and like you said, you threw out Usain Bolt. It's like the standard is ridiculous, right? Right, yeah. The hurdle that we've set in our own mind is something possibly unachievable or just really, really rare. Right. And it's not, there's not really like a value on just staying dedicated or being obedient. There's not a value on other things as much as we place on just some extreme level of, you know, well, if I can't achieve this level then I'm just not enough I'm not going to be enough instead of realizing the the truth of what God has said but yeah I think I think our culture definitely shifts us towards 
you're not enough, but in lots of different aspects of our life and, and with body image too, mm-hmm. like you said, for sure. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Um, so we have our second question. Oh yeah. Um, how does the world affect our faith? How does the world affect our faith? Um, we've touched on this a little bit with us talking Yeah. Um, about how the enemy sadly is in everything. You know what I mean? Other than God, it's in everything. Everything on this world right now, the enemy has a hold on it. Mm-hmm. Which is um, why it's so such a big deal to think that you're enough. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's why we're doing this podcast because you're going to go through... Like, no matter how old you are, no matter, like, if I'm 16, 3, or, like, 87... Um, the enemy will still try to get me to say, like, you're not enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when I'm three, it'll say, like, you're not enough to do this because you're too young. Or when I'm 16, you're not enough to do this. You can't get married. Go off and marry because you're too young. Or, like, you can't go off and vote because you're too young. Um, And when I'm 87, you'll be like, oh, yeah, you can't do this because you're too old. It's kind of just, like, mm-hmm. the like Satan in the world is kind of just, like, just constantly telling you you're not enough. Even in the littlest things, it's kind of, like, you're consciously reminded that you're not enough to do stuff, which is right. Sad. I mean, I think you're right. I think we do live in a fallen world, so every everything is broken in the sense that sin came in, and this isn't this isn't the the way that God wanted it to be. He wanted just a fully right relationship with us in the Garden of Eden, where everything was right. The food mm-hmm. was right. The animals were right. Um, our bodies would have just lived on and been healthy. Um, yeah. so I think you're right. I think it does affect everything. And I think, you know, maybe even people who love us and, and mean well, repeat what they've heard, right? They're mm-hmm. just repeating what they've heard, or they're repeating something that they heard from an uncredible source or, you know, just something online, right. something yeah. on TV. And without us realizing that that's, that's perpetuating this lie, that's, it's allowing us to just continue to agree with the lies and agree with the brokenness instead of faith. And faith is... I mean, at this point, like you said, because we're in a broken world, faith is truly us placing our faith in God is yep. something that we can't see. We can't see God. Mm-mm. We can see, just like um, the example that Billy Graham would always use was the wind. He would say, mm-hmm. you know, you can't see the wind. You don't know where the wind came from, but you see the effects of the wind. You feel mm-hmm. your hair blowing back when you stand in the on the beach and it's windy. Or maybe you see leaves blowing off of the tree. And if someone were to say to you, like, well, I don't believe in wind. Wind doesn't exist. You know, you would say, well, I've, I've felt it. I've seen it. I've seen the effects of the wind. So I know that it exists. Right. But um, similarly, that's maybe how some people feel about us when we talk about faith. They they question this is something I can't see I don't understand it we're, we're really believing for things that aren't to become what God has promised right yeah so we're, we're we're calling out in faith I'm believing for restoration I'm believing for wholeness I'm believing for healing um, but in, in a way that the world will tell us this isn't possible or this isn't what they see this isn't their experience um, so for sure um, we we live in the world, but we're not of the world, and we get dirty, which is why we need prayer. We need yeah. to come back to prayer. We need to come back to our firm foundation and be clean again. Um, in the Bible, that example was just they would wash their feet because they would walk around and their feet would get dirty, and they wore sandals, um, so they would just wash their feet before they entered a house. 
but it's such a spiritual example. Like we walk around in the world, we're going to hear things, we're going to see things, even though we don't want to, like an ad is going to pop up on our phone and we didn't want to hear that or we didn't want to see that. And we just get dirty and we just constantly want to come back to the Lord and um, spend time, spending time with him so that our faith is strengthened and that the lies are not the loudest thing in our ear. Yeah, that's okay. Good job. No, but <laughs> no, I liked how you, um, I liked your example of the wind, um, because that kind of touches on the next question we're going to ask, which is, um, how do we know our faith is true? Um, like, how do we know, like, I think that's a lot of questions kids my age and younger have is just like how do we know christianity is real mm-hmm. um and i mean you said it perfectly um who was the person that you quoted billy graham has used that example yeah um yeah like i yeah i think that's a like a great example because like um science to this day still tries to prove it yeah who who was it was it c.s lewis who tried to prove Christianity wrong, and then he ended up becoming a Christian because he couldn't prove yeah, it wrong. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that story. Lee Strobel yeah. is another one that's famous. He wrote The Case for Christ. Um, he tried to disprove specifically the resurrection because he mm-hmm. decided that if that was disproved, that was what everything hinged on. Mm-hmm. If he didn't really rise from the dead, this is, all falls away. This is yeah. nothing. This is just nonsense. But in his in his study and in his effort to really research the history the science the even kind of like from a criminal mindset like he would talk to people who examined dead bodies and he was talking about the turn of the shroud and all these all these different things that were evidence and in that process he became radically born again and has written many many books and has won many people to christ because he was such a staunch atheist Mm -hmm. and just had his whole world flipped upside down but from a stance of like truth and and from a basis of truth yep. and so he's able to speak from that perspective and his his testimony is very interesting because he said people will say like oh if you don't have christ then your life is is bad or um you know you're not happy and he said mm-hmm. those things weren't really true for me like i was basically quote unquote happy like i had a decent life had a decent yeah. at that time he was already married um but but it's really not about happiness it's about it's about peace, like a deep mm. peace, a peace with your soul. Like when you lay down and go to bed at night, that you have peace to know that you have a right relationship with God. And that's what he really is able to clarify so well, because he can speak from that perspective. It's such a different perspective than someone maybe who's grown up in the church and they've heard these stories. And on their side, the reason that it's hard is because it becomes um, it becomes like static. It becomes like the VBS story that I heard right. with like a felt board and this is yeah. the lines then. And we've heard it so many times that we start to tune it out and we start to, we start to really miss it. Yeah. But those lines were real. Mm-hmm. Like if we really knew someone who escaped death by a lion, we would for sure understand that it was yeah. a miracle, but we just start to see it as a kid's story, as a fable almost instead of the reality of it being real yeah and so someone who's come to christ in a radical way as an adult they're able to read scripture and just be in awe of every yeah. story because they're hearing it for the first time they're they're seeing it from this perspective of like god is real and he did do these things and these these miracles really happened um yeah. so it, it's it's a different perspective um i think for me i i've I loved studying apologetics i love that we can um, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, but doing that with gentleness and respect, like it says in Second Peter. Um, I love studying the apologetics because I do see um, so many great arguments for 
defending our faith and seeing proof and evidence. I uh, love to study creation and things like that. Uh, I would say probably the biggest thing that I feel like it boils down to for me is experiential. Mm-hmm. Um, we I could sit across the table from anyone, right? As from someone of another faith or someone who's an atheist, and we would have great conversation just done in respect and in love and talk about all these different facts. And But if someone allows you to put your hand on their shoulder and you just are able to pray and you're able to invite the Holy Spirit into that moment and mm-hmm. they experience God and they hear God speak to them in a personal, real way, their life will be changed forever because now they've experienced something that's undeniable to them. It's not a, a fact to be proven or, or disproven. It's it's their own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like for me, um, just as I've grown, I probably would have gone to that basis of like, let's let's really hash it out and have this kind of deeper right. conversation. Um, yeah. go, I went on a couple of mission trips to France and a lot of people there would love to have those deeper conversations and it was great. Um, went on a mission trip to Guatemala and that's exactly what the missionary was sharing, how he had been able to win this person, this person, this person, but it wasn't always out of like him having all the answers, mm-hmm. even though he has this title, you know, right. a missionary. Yeah. He was like, I just pray. And I asked the Holy Spirit to reveal, you know, God, will you reveal yourself to this person? You, you made them, you love them. Yeah. You desperately want to speak. What do you want to say right now? Yeah. And just watching God show up in those moments in a powerful way and how, um, it had sort of dissolved his need to have those kind of like deeper arguments or, or right. friendly debates yeah. um, with all different people. And um, that that really freed me a lot because um, I think for a while I thought, oh, my gosh, I need to be more well, well versed <laughs> or study more. And, right. and I do. I want to know those things. Um, one of the one of the quick arguments that I like the best is the sun shrinkage rate. And this this really goes to proving a biblical timeline for creation um, that really kind of, to me, immediately overrides a lot of the um, atheist views on evolution Mm -hmm. being that the world is millions of years old versus thousands. Mm -hmm. And it's basically if you do the math in reverse on how much the sun is shrinking and you add those back, um, the sun would be touching the earth if it was millions of years um, versus the, the biblical timeline being thousands of years. It really continues to line up and it continues to the math works out yeah and um when my dad taught it he did the math and I'm not a math person a theater <laughs> person so I don't have the numbers but I but it was enough to just again confirm to me like God right. has given us a timeline of everything and it all works out and mm-hmm. he he's he's so thoughtful in his in the information that he's given us he's not trying to be a mystery he's trying to continually reveal himself to mankind and through each other um so I love the opportunity to talk about faith and to talk about how we can know that Christianity is real. And the best thing that I would say to a student that's struggling is keep wrestling with it. Yep. Keep searching, mm-hmm. keep researching, keep asking those questions. The best thing you can do is ask. The yeah. best thing you can do is seek it out. Um, because if something is absolute truth, it will continue to prove itself to be true. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, I really do like that. Because it's... Um, who was who was the person that wrestled with Jesus in the Bible? Um, are we talking about Jacob? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. But I remember um, someone talking to me about that. But he wrestled with Jesus. And it's like, it really kind of puts like a perspective. that's just like, Jesus is not wanting us to blindly follow him. That's why he put like the... Uh, 
tree in like the Garden of Eden in the first place. Like, you know, he wanted us to have free will. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always a choice, right? Exactly. And us having the opportunity to sit here and like wrestle with the Lord and ask Him questions and to be like, "Why are you doing this? Like, I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what you're saying in this book of the Bible." And He gives us answers. Whether it, it's not going to be a tiny voice in your head that says. This is why I did it. it. He gives us answers in different, hard, complicated ways. But if we have faith, we can know what, like, what those answers are. And we won't know all these answers until um, we get to heaven. Sorry, I kind of... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, we won't know all those answers until we get to heaven. Um, because... There are going to be yeah. some things that are going to be a mystery on this side of heaven. Right. I think that he does speak, though. And like you said, he does speak to us just in our heart and our spirit. And the more that we know him, the more we know his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice. And he's our shepherd. And we begin to have a great relationship with him. We will know when he's speaking to us, when he's leading us to do something. But he also speaks through other believers. Mm-hmm. He also speaks through, obviously, scripture coming alive. He speaks to, to us through worship songs sometimes. Um, he yeah. certainly speaks to us in many ways. And just coming to another friend and asking for prayer and having those discussions. Um, sometimes it's the intellectual side, right? If someone has questions and they're able to kind of see um, some certain piece of something will just click, right? Like yeah. if they were able to have something explained to them, hey, I've always wondered about this. Um, tell me tell me your theory on this aspect of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then answering questions, sometimes that um, can be the thing that, that really brings someone closer to yeah. the Lord and gives them more understanding. So. I think it can definitely be that the Lord speaks in many different ways. And the, and the cool thing is, is that he made you and he knows how you work. Yeah. So if you're, if you're more of a intellectual, rational thinker, then he's going to speak to you from that approach. If you're more yeah. artistic and feely, you might experience the Lord through a piece of art or a worship song in a really profound way that yeah. moves you to tears. Right. But that's how God created you to connect. Yeah. I think, um, to touch back on our last question is like, how do we know our faith is true is there's many, I mean, you said there's many books, there's many like, um, theologians that tried to break what Christianity is. And they ended up turning to Christianity Mm -hmm. because they were like, because God was like, why are you doing this? And they gave them something, I guess. Well, that they found evidence. They found enough proof and evidence. There's many, many apologists, um, are people who, would have they they started off either as a historian or a scientist and mm-hmm. they they chased the white rabbit yeah you know and they chased it and they chased it and they researched it and that's how God wired them but it 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 landed them at at truth it landed right. them at no other yeah thing can be true other than this is the reality this is the truth and they became believers and God has used them in really powerful ways um, Christianity I would say you know again we're wrestling we're wrestling with our faith and there's that's good that's the best place to land yeah um if you're interested in studying there's a book called kingdom cults you can study about you know why are there other beliefs um the enemy loves to bring confusion and chaos so there's a lot of other beliefs out there that masquerade as truth but they're not um there's you can definitely look at lee strobel has several books he has the case for christ but he has several others and there's also a teen version Mm -hmm. um and there are I think Sean McDowell is a great one. Oh, I think yeah. that'd be a great starting yeah. point um, for people who have really big questions to continue to ask and continue to research it. And um, and there's people even at our school that love to talk about apologetics and mm-hmm. would love to answer questions. And um, 
and even just what I was saying before, just if you feel like you've never experienced the Lord, if you feel like you've never heard God speak, that that would be where I would love to start too, just to say, hey, can can I pray for you? And just begin to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be open to this for this time and I'm going to continue to ask and see yeah. what God does and see what God says. Yeah. Okay, and this is the last question of section one. It's how can I be sure in my faith? Um... I think that's what I think that's what we kind of like touched on in like these couple times is because like there was many people sure in their atheism and there's many people sure in their other faiths that were went deep dive into um, atheism and Christianity and was like which one's right and they found evidence where Christianity is right and that's where they kind of hit a wall and they were like wow like I've been trying to prove this wrong this entire time when there's clear evidence right mm-hmm. here where mm-hmm. I am wrong. And I feel like there's many, like, examples like that. But also, like, I went to about, I think two summers ago, I went to the Creation Museum and the Ark. Mm-hmm. And I think the Creation Museum is the best place to start. Because I feel like, I mean, you can start anywhere. Like, you don't need to go all the way to Kentucky and go to the Creation Museum. But I absolutely love the Creation Museum because it kind of... I was just reading stuff. Like, okay, I'm a very big on, like, zoology and all that, and science and stuff like that. So I've always been confused a little bit about how I can fit my faith within science. And there's many Christian scientists and many Christian um, zoologists and stuff like that because, um, because that's, like, God was the first to create creation. And that's what the Creation Museum goes through. Like, one section it goes through the start like when they're like when he created the earth and then to show that like all these animals were created and everything and like yeah that's where yeah so this is the way that I explain it to my younger students I don't know if this helps but I give them an example of I'll pull a student out and I'll say let's pretend that I gave so-and-so a brand new watch and it's Mm -hmm. like the cool one right that tracks everything and it has all the things and it has the nice band and I'm just like here's this watch I gave you and it's fully functioning. It's working really well. And, but I say to you like, but it just appeared. Like I had all the parts in this bag and I just Mm -hmm. shook the bag a long time and they all happened to go in the exact right spot to make this function and work. Yeah. Well, first of all, you'd ask me where the parts came from and I'd tell you, well, I don't know because something can't come from nothing, but let's just pretend that something came from nothing and they all ended up in this bag and I shook it a long time. Uh We can continue with the analogy and get to the place where we're like, but some people believe that about the real thing. Yeah. That it just appeared. Your eyeball just happened to work. Yeah, isn't that the Big Bang Theory? I mean, essentially, yes. I I mean, if there was a bang, it was God saying, let there be light. Right. right? And there could have been. But but the the point is, is that something doesn't come from nothing. It's designed and created. And they don't all just bump into each other and happen to fully function. There's design. Right. So we call it intelligent design. When we see a watch function, we know it had a creator and a designer. When we look at how detailed our eyeball has to be to work, our elbow, how Mm -hmm. it works and functions, we, we realize there's intelligent design. When you look at every animal, think about every habitat, every everything God thought of that this creature needed to be able to live in extreme cold or live in the ocean or whatever it does, those facets, it's multifaceted. It's, it's so intentional. We, we couldn't possibly begin to step back from that, even just from a very basic standpoint and say, these things just randomly happen. Mm -hmm. We see intelligent design everywhere. It's God's fingerprint to us. And the fact that he didn't just make one kind of bird or one kind of tree that he thought to make many and he thought to make many things colorful and 
taste different, you know, different tastes, different tones of music. And it makes you think if this is earth, what is heaven, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's going to be music we've never heard and colors we've never seen and animals we've never experienced because this is just, this is just earth, you know, this is just the beginning. Um, But it, it shows just such deep detail and it points to a maker. It points to intelligent yeah. design. Just like we wouldn't look at a skyscraper and say that just appeared. We know mm-hmm. there's an architect. We know yeah. there's a builder. We know there's plans and blueprints and many, many workers that built that and constructed that. Yeah. And in the same way that God thought of all of these things so intentionally. So the more you study animals, if that's your thing, right. the more it just continues to point to, wow, God thought to do that. So yeah. that that animal could function the exact way that it needed to, to take care of their babies, to make sure that their kind continued in right. safety because of all these other reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, and you start to really see the details of that. Um, so I don't know if that if that points back to your question fully. Um, I think when some people say, am I sure of my faith? I would say, you know, are, are we talking about a general sense of like faith in God, but you are assured of salvation or is mm-hmm. that two separate questions? Um, I feel like it could be two separate um, questions. Um, I like this question in a sense because you it's hard because, like, I struggled with this for a while. Um, I had a hard time. Like, I questioned my faith, and I still question my faith to this day. Because it's, like, the, the world in Christianity is confusing. But if I, like, I think what comes with faith is you're wanting to have a relationship with him. And so my wanting to question him and to understand led me to become more sure in my faith. Because I was, my wanting made me go to the creation museum and be like this is the way things work or go look up places or go have conversations with my dad and understand like why are these things happening what is Mm -hmm. going on what like how did this all come about Mm -hmm. and that has started to lead me to be more sure in my faith because I asked those questions and God delivered me multiple ways where I can know those questions that I'm asking not fully but I can know them to the extent where I can Mm -hmm. be like I can be assured in my faith yeah definitely I think that's good I think um I had a pastor that would say I have been saved I am saved I I will be saved and in the sense that he was seeing it as a relationship and he he compared it to marriage that you know if if I married my husband and he moved to China and I stayed here and we like never spoke yeah we might be married legally, but we don't really have a relationship, right? right? Yeah. But the fact that you're continuing to ask questions and you're continuing mm-hmm. to want a relationship, it's it's your posture, right? You're not turning your back to God. You're not in rebellion to God. Right. You're looking to him and saying, I have more questions. Mm-hmm. I want to know more. I want to step closer. I want to continue in this. And you're pursuing the relationship actively. And I think it is ongoing. I think there's a yeah. lot to be said. I mean, there's definitely like a definitive thing we could get into about you know your names and land book book of life and all that but but I think it is a continual relationship and that we're always learning and we're always growing and the fact that you're pursuing that is is awesome and I hope that the other students who may be listening that that's kind of their thought if they have questions that they just continue to ask those questions and yeah continue to look for people that maybe you feel like are a little bit ahead of you or they right. just seem solid. They seem like somebody yeah. that you ha- see wisdom in them and that you continue to, to ask questions and that hopefully they're pointing you to things that have scriptural backing that because mm-hmm. God's not ever going to go against his word or contradict right. himself exactly. and that it has scriptural backing to what they're saying and that they're just continuing to point you in the direction of truth, but also just giving you handholds of things that 
can be explained or can can be better understood if there are you know specific questions that each person has because maybe people's life experience often affects the way that they're viewing that right we talked about Mm -hmm. how the world affects it but it's also life experience if someone came from a difficult background then that might affect the way that they're viewing God and and having to again deal with a lot of lies and truth issues yeah to to get to the heart of what is God really saying here and what does God really want for you yeah Um, ultimately he just wants a a relationship with each and every person and um that we aren't agreeing with the lies of the world or or being pulled away just distracted right Mm -hmm. like maybe you feel like you know that you love the Lord, but you just feel distracted a lot yeah. and foggy a lot. And I think that I would say that that's not ultimately what God wants. He wants freedom for that person. He wants mm-hmm. them to to know his his assured peace and love and and hope and 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 have that freedom in their life just to not feel like they're weighty and foggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for section one. Awesome. Thank you. We are so excited to announce that we will be having a prom this spring. The theme is a starry night in Paris. Ticket sales are out now. Look for an email on Parent Square or contact Mr. Melton. Okay, welcome back, guys. Um, we're getting to. The... Wait, are you recording? Yeah. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. Um, yeah, we did. Um, so I'm going to just get into the second um, section of questions. So the first question is, what does God say about me? Um, what does he say about me? I think he says, I think this is more of a personal. So why don't we make it more of a ri- wider range? Like, what does God say about his people? Right. So I think if we look at some bigger categories like the list of words would be things like you're chosen you're forgiven Mm -hmm. you're set apart you are redeemed right we could start looking at those type of words and also just a more personal wording would be that we are his children that he sees us as being adopted into his family yeah um one of the main things when I was struggling with like how does God not view me but like I don't know, like my relationship with God, like mm-hmm. when I was first starting to have a relationship with him, one of the things, okay, so a more recent thing is the Ash Wednesday, um, I went to an Ash Wednesday service, I can't remember what church it was, mm-hmm. but I remember it was just a prayer, and I was just praying, and I think I, that, at that point, like, I think I, I, I wasn't, I was, yeah, I, yes, I was struggling with just, just trying to like realize how to take the stuff I was preaching and put it into my life, um, and what I kept saying during that prayer time is, I'm yours and you are mine, um, saying that to God, because I feel like that's a very comforting phrase to me, because God, like, what what does God say about me? When I read that question, I think more of God says that you are his, that you're his child, and nothing can take you away from What is it in Christ alone that said you can never pluck me from his hand um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. I think is a great song and a great verse or lyric. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And think about that from the perspective of like, if you're adopted into a family, you're given his last name, you're given mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Like in our day, we don't call it birthrights, but it would be like, you know, he's going to leave you whatever he leaves you when he passes away, because now you are his child, you're his family. And he's, you get all that comes with that. So it's like uh, the VIP pass to get in the back door yeah. to have access to God. It's not 
the mindset that sometimes we struggle with is like earning it, you know, and mm-hmm. I got to do this. I got to check the box. But he's like, no, you have access to me. Yeah. You're, you're mine and you're in my family. Yeah. So all the love and all the provision that comes with that, that if you have a loving adoptive family, in this case, God, the father, yeah. that he provides, he, you know, you're, you're clothed and fed and loved in every good way that, 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 that could be meant um, that's a good way to view it. Uh, yeah, I think knowing our identity in Christ is probably one of the most core fundamental things that God's put in my heart for y'all's generation because, of course, the world's going to tell us a lot of other things, right? a lot of other titles. Um, if we go way back to the thing you heard when you were little about the armor of God and all those pieces, mm. the belt of truth, um, the idea you know, we think of a lot of different types of belts now, but like if you picture more like a kimono, like or a cummerbund or something where it's like this wider, thicker piece of fabric wrapped around you, being wrapped in God's truth. It's like, why did he include that? Right. Well, he included that because he knew we were going to encounter a lot of lies and, yeah. and a lot of things are false. And yep. it's almost like it gives us this superpower when we're in Christ and we're abiding mm-hmm. to discern mm-hmm. the truth from the lies. Yeah. Yeah, I like that um, that section. Where is that from, the armor of God? Ephesians. Ephesians, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember I taught about that in middle school, and I think that mm-hmm. was one of the first things where I was like, like where I first had like an epiphany of sorts, where I was like, oh my, like, wow. Because like, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that talks about that. Um, but yeah. uh, kind of getting into our second question, okay. which is why does he say that about me? Um, I think that... That's hard because I think there's a lot of doubt when it comes to, I mean, you, obviously you're going to go through phases in your faith where you're going to have doubt in the word because we have sin and like who, like, cause we can't f- like physically see it. We don't have something that's just like, yeah, this is true. I mean, we do have something actually, the Bible. I don't know what I'm saying, but <laughs> no, but yeah. it's like we were saying before where we can't see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind right. and yeah. we struggle at times with what we can't see. And that is where faith comes in. We're taking steps of faith that require trust and risk sometimes yeah. and stepping into something that maybe we don't see that far ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of driving at night on our road, very dark, and like the headlights only show me right in front of the car. Mm -hmm. I can't see miles and miles ahead. And sometimes that's what I want. You know, Mm -hmm. I want this big blueprint. And it's like, but his word is a lamp to our feet. Like we're going to know the next right step. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I would say, why does he say these things about us? I think, you know, if he's saying you are mine and you are loved and you're chosen and you're set apart, Mm -hmm. he's speaking identity over all of us as his children, as believers, as the family of God, um, our part to play in the body of Christ becomes a little bit more individualized. Um, not everyone is a mouthpiece. Not everyone are the feet to go and, you know, be a missionary, Mm -hmm. but God's called everyone in a different way. But he, he gives us those identifying things to kind of, I think it's, it's like a foundation to build off of. If we're talking about building a building, you know, you have this thick concrete foundation everything else is going to be structurally sound. But if it's built on rickety um, poles and pieces of wood that are starting to rot and maybe there's water that started to cause issues, you know, the whole thing's going to fall. The walls are going to crack and there's problems. So maybe if someone is struggling, 
we walk them back to what's that foundation? Do you mm-hmm. know who you are in Christ? And do yeah. you understand what God said about you is true? Um, my husband sat next to someone on a plane and she never had anyone tell her that there's a God that loves her. Mm. Never. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a really harsh father that kind of put a lot of pressure on her to, you know, do a certain, like do well in school, do mm-hmm. well with her job. She was um, from a different cultural background and she had just, you could see the freedom in her reaction to what if that was true? Mm-hmm. And she just started to have this little bit of openness to our conversation. What if there was a God that made you and loves you and has a plan yeah. for your life? And it was just this really beautiful moment of like freedom for her to kind of talk about that and process that. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, I was, I'm reading this book um, with my Bible study mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it said I was reading it. And as I was just trying to take down notes for this podcast, I was like, wow, this like what I just read was like goes perfect Mm -hmm. from what this question is. Um, And so basically when God made us, he said that we are good, but not I mean, he said everything was good. But he said I can't remember what word exactly what it was, but it was some Hebrew word. But he said we were very good. Like, we're not just good like the rest of the mm-hmm. word. Like, when he made us, he said we were very good. And basically, the Hebrew word translates into we are muchest, muchness good. Basically saying, like, we are very good. Mm-hmm. And saying that we, which I really liked because it's not just necessarily saying that, like, like, when God said we are good and, like, when the earth is good, like, that's saying just, like, that he doesn't take that lightly, like you know what I mean. He's right. just like, which I th- and saying that we are muchness good or we're very good is a very profound thing for him to say because I think we need. To, I think people kind of um, the Bible is spoken about a lot and what God said it says in the Bible is spoken about a lot and it kind of loses its magic per se. But I think we got to realize that what God says in the words in the Bible, they're very like what is said is said and it's very like. It's like the whole book is profound. Like not the book, the whole Bible's profound. Right. But when you dug into the meaning right, of that exactly. word, it had this aha moment. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So we can look at the beauty of a certain type of flower or a certain animal mm-hmm. and say those things are good. They are yeah. good. The food he's provided, all these things are good. But the fact that he set apart humans and said this is very good he chose to give us an eternal Mm -hmm. soul and Mm -hmm. we're the only beings that have an eternal soul right and it's a humbling thing to think that not only did he want a relationship with you but he wanted it forever Mm -hmm. he wanted it to never be to never stop to never be over (laughs) like constantly just always having a relationship Mm -hmm. which i think is good um our third question is do i need to do anything for god's love Um, that's a great question yeah um this is my one of the sayings that my kids probably feel like, okay, mommy, say this all the time, <laughs> is you can't lose it and you can't earn it. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably struggled more with being the older brother in the prodigal son story of like, he did this and he did that and you're just going to forgive him and throw him a party. and and But look at me, I'm doing all the right things and I'm checking right. all the boxes because yeah. I really struggled with the ditch of... I've got to earn it. Mm-hmm. And it was probably not really until late high school, early college that the Lord really started to put his finger on fully surrendering to him in that area of my life mm-hmm. of the freedom that that would bring yeah. to trust him fully, to not keep trying to row the boat, yeah. but just trust that the Holy Spirit is the wind in our sails and that he's got this. He's got me. He's yeah. got the plan. Um, and, and to stop trying to earn it and to rest in his freedom and 
understanding that the love was not earned and that it was just this free gift. It was such a freeing thing to just sit under that waterfall of like, he loves me no matter what. And he Mm -hmm. loves me unconditionally. And I think on the other side, you know, with one of my kids, we've had some great conversations about the other side of that, Mm -hmm. um, that it can't be lost because he had, he came to the Lord in kind of a radical way where he had made some choices that he regretted and he was very broken Mm -hmm. over the choices and wanted to really truly repent. And just that awareness of, even doing this or this or this, I did not lose God's love. He loved me no matter what. He loved me while I was yet a sinner. And um, so we've had some great conversations. But yes, I say you can't lose it and you can't earn it. It's unconditional. It's a free gift. And we we constantly talk about God's love in that way because it's hard in our language, like you were saying before, because we'll say, I love pizza and I love Coke and I love God. And it's like, how is that the same word? Exactly. Because it's not in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. We have agape love. Or like in many other languages, there's definitely like in Spanish, there's different ways to say love and like when you actually mean love it's like in many different languages there's like different like ways and different values of what this word of love means i wish that we did that me too right (laughs) to clarify i think think i'm just gonna say muchness good or muchness love i love it talking about it let's start a new trend yeah let's do it i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad we're doing that this is great um but yeah i think it's really just like once you have that broken down moment where you're broken down by sin and everything and just give your life up to God. That's all he wanted you to do. Mm. And it's, that's all he needs you to do really. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but if you, but that's where you have to start. Like once you get to past that point and you start growing in your faith, that's when you can, you start like listening to God and see what, not what he needs, what he needs you to do. Like what my parents are doing right now, they want to become, church planters and missionaries and that's what and god has been calling to them to do that and that's what they're going to do mm-hmm. and they have been listening to him and they have been faithful and trusting in him and i've seen that through them and which has led me to start like being faithful and trusting in him that the decision to them go church planting doesn't mean like that means that just like this gives me a chance to go help them church plant and be involved in the church that they're making um which i think is a, a great thing i think but it's awesome yeah mm-hmm. i don't know where i was going with that i think i was going yeah. with the point where it's just like uh, just there's nothing that you can in. do to get the love and everything but right. once you like you have his love and you take that love and you want to go spread that love that you have so yeah yeah so i think there's a difference in saying like do we walk in god's way versus we're earning love but right. but walking in his way the bible calls it being under the under god's law yeah but the way I kind of explained it to my kids when we did mission work in Guatemala, there is, there may be technically laws on the road, but it doesn't appear that they have laws on the road. They mm-hmm. just drive in a way that's very chaotic. There's not really <laughs> lanes, and people right. just kind of like crash into each other's side mirrors on a regular basis. Oh, great! And you do see a lot of wrecks, and then you're driving in the mountains, and you see really bad situations mm-hmm. happen. And so we talk about how lawlessness leads to destruction and death. Yeah. And the fact that we have laws to stay in your lane and turn right. on your turn signal is actually there to protect you. Right. So exactly. when we follow God's way out of love, it's because he loves you and he doesn't want you to have those consequences exactly. if you went down the other path. Yeah. Um, but then it's done in this, like you said, you're doing what you're doing now going, God, I want to hear you and walk in your way out of love and out of a relationship. And it doesn't feel like, well, you're just all about rules, 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 rules. It's not this negative burden. It's, hey, God's protecting me from these consequences. And I'm grateful for that. It's kind of a different perspective. 
It is, yeah. And it's um I think I think you have to start stop viewing it as this is what I need to earn his love or something like this is I'm doing this because I have his love. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I want to show other people of that I have his love and that you can have his love too. Right. Um, which I think is a That's powerful. Yeah, I know. I'm a pretty powerful person. Um, (laughs) Anyways, our last question for this podcast is how can I continuously be reminded of these facts? Mm. Um, The main point I have in here is the Bible because um, the Bible is a big – the Bible is the Bible. The Bible is the law and is the word and is – what we have to be reminded of these facts. I mean, you can have other people to be reminded of these facts, but the main thing is just like, if I'm feeling discouraged or I'm not having a good time or something, I will go to the Bible and open it up and the, it'll either, I'll either go to a specific verse or God will just show me this verse and be like, this is the fact that I want you to be reminded of at this moment right now. Mm-hmm. Whether that's God's love or if that's a rule being like, oh, you are not doing this right right now. So I'm going to go show you to be like, to this parable and be like, this is what you're doing. And this is what I have told you to do, mm-hmm. um, which I think is um, a profound thing to do. Definitely. And it's because the word is alive, right? So you're, you're feeling that and you're seeing that, that when you read certain things or God leads you to a certain chapter, it comes alive and it applies to your life in a new way. Right. And I'll circle all the way back to the armor of God kind of stuff yes. again, real yeah. quick. What is, what has been spelled out to us in black and white, in scripture, in John 10, 10, is two agendas, right? The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. We have a real enemy. There's spiritual warfare that we can't see with angels and demons all the time, right? So that's why he told us to put on the full armor of God every day. And we talk about the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith and all of those steps. But the sword is the word of God. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that the word of God is the offensive weapon. Right. It's powerful. Yeah. It's alive. It's not just this passive thing. Yeah. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. So I think, yes, we're reminded of our identity. We're reminded of what he's leading us to do, to walk in his love, to walk in his way. But we're also empowered to fight those spiritual battles against mm-hmm. the forces of darkness that we can't see. So I think that all those things kind of connect for me. Um walking in our identity and really stepping into realizing that our identity is that you're a warrior, you're a princess warrior in Mm -hmm. Christ. And now you're on the team and you're battling with other warriors and other believers. And in that same scripture with all the list of the armor at the end of that little section, he says, and, and always pray continually in every situation, continue to pray in the spirit and be alert. Why? Because there's a war going on. And then it says, continue to pray for, I think some versions say like, continue to pray for the Lord's people, but it's basically like, continue to pray for other believers. Mm -hmm. We're praying for each other to stand firm. And he repeats stand Mm -hmm. firm like three times in that section. Sometimes we're fighting and it feels like we're fighting. Sometimes fighting means just standing firm. Mm -hmm. So I think the Bible is so powerful and such a great way to be reminded of all of the things that you have mentioned, um, our identity and our calling and the things that God has said about us. Um, it reminded me of the movie, I want to say it's called Overcomer, um, the one about the runner. Yes, yeah. Wait, wait, the Tim Tebow movie? 
Um, not that one. Oh. This one has Priscilla Schreier is like the principal and okay. the little girl is a runner. She's running like cross country oh, okay. or something. And she, she comes and she's has questions about her mm-hmm. faith and she lists to her all of those terms. Mm. Like you're forgiven, you're loved, you're chosen, you're set yeah. apart, you know, and it's just this powerful, powerful moment of her realizing like, this is who I am. This is yeah. my identity in Christ. And, um, yeah, that's a really, I might've said the wrong name. I think, I think it's called overcomer and okay. it's really good. Um, there's another one called courageous that I think is about football. And then the Tim Tebow one. That one's a really good one. Yeah. I, that had me pawing my eyes out. I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that one. <laughs> that one's powerful too. That one's so powerful. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. See, there's many movies that you can go watch. Yes. But also the movies will make you go, read the Bible, which what is what you need to do is just read the Bible and you can be reminded of everything that we just said. And if you don't know where to go in the Bible, you can go phone a teacher like Miss Purcell. Like I have, I'm, I have teachers with me during every episode that you can, that so that you can finally know, not finally know, but that you know that they're here for you and they have answers and their answers are what God says. And, um, which I'm glad I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for um, being able to just answer these questions we've had. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for listening to Jesus the King podcast. You can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, or any other platform. Just type in Jesus is King and look for the growth symbol. And there it is. Keep up with our podcast because we will be posting every week. Thank you so much for listening and see you next episode.